This lights out, and away we go. Welcome to an American's Guide to Formula One. Now let's start the show. Let's start the show indeed. Sorry for the long winter break um, and the late um, recap, season recap episode. But we're here with some very special guests. One a little more special than the other, Mr. Jimmy Reed. Welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, thanks, Andy. And also joined here in studio, Mr. Matty O'Patty, a fan favorite. Welcome back, Matt. Hello and thank you. And if that's not Ooh. enough, of course, we're joined via the telephone by Papa T-Sauce himself. What's up, Dad? Oh, baby, I'm ready. All right. Jimmy, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Would you like to give us a little, um, the, the fans who are, are the new listeners that haven't checked out the full Jimmy Reed episode from uh, the last season or season before? I can't even remember. Oh, my gosh. Um, but you want to just give us a little couple-minute breakdown of who you are and your history of the sport and why you're so special? Yeah. Andy, I was born born in 1951, and in uh, 1961, uh, there was that great Formula One season. Uh, the Ferraris dueling or, um, Phil Hill from California, first American to win the world championship, but under tragic circumstances when his teammate Von Tripps in another Ferrari was killed in a collision with Jimmy Clark. Um, but the, the sharp-nosed Ferraris that year, the 156, is just beautiful. Uh, very dramatic season. Um, but if you're an American, you could, as opposed to now, you could hardly get any information about Formula One. Um, our local newspaper didn't cover it. Uh, uh, it's just hard to get nothing on TV. So, uh, but it was uh, compelling. And they were really uh, fantastic cars, a lot of cool things about the whole thing. So, um, 60s was kind of a, a rough decade in terms of getting information, but um, for about uh, 20 years after I was on the went on the board of, of the Grand Prix course, uh, Corporation at Watkins Glen when the race was there, um, and uh, very exciting. Watkins Glen is only about two and a half hours from our house, so I would you know, could just drive up and back to the board meetings uh, without much uh, without much problem. But um, yeah, great to be involved. Great sport, you know. It's been that way for. 60 years, I guess, for me now, 61 years, 62 years. So um, still, still terrific. You got you got a couple of years on us and, and, and a, a couple you. more grand experiences than we've had. Um, like mm. I said, go back and check out that, that full episode with Jimmy Reed to hear some of those awesome stories. Um, yeah, guys, so the episode's going to go pretty normal to a race recap episode since this is a season recap episode. We're just going to go in uh, point standings, reverse order, um, and just kind of talk about the season um, per the drivers, and then we'll have a couple of questions, and we might end with a little bit of the of news that we've that we've missed um, while we've been away. So, starting it off in the bottom order um, is no surprise is is Nicholas Latifi for Williams, but he did uh, get those two points um, in a in a pretty pretty great drive, uh, wasn't that? Uh, Brazil, I believe, is when he got his points. Oh, it's too long ago. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I think I think nobody, 
I feel bad for Latifi as he's always kind of the uh, uh, the butt of a lot of jokes. Um, but, you know, he, he never really gave up. He always worked hard. All of his teammates never had a bad word to say about him. Um, I, it's it's a shame to see him go and, and not a lot of fanfare because, I mean, why would there be? But uh, it does make room for the for Logan Sargent coming in to take his seat next year, another uh, an American actually on the grid again. What do you have to say about that, Jim? Well, I think it's, I, I feel bad for him. He had got death threats after the, uh, uh, oh, yeah. you know, when he crashed out of the, the last race of 21. Um, so now he doesn't do And, you know, you have to remember these guys, these are the, maybe the top 20 drivers in the world. So just to get in the seat, yeah. he's your fantastic driver. So he just doesn't deserve, all the, the bad stuff that's been, been said about him. Uh, and he, from what I hear from all the journalists and stuff, he's very likable. Everybody likes him, and he's a real gentleman. So, um, good guy. Sorry he's not there, but yeah, it's a tough tough sport. It really is. Dad, What do, any words on Latifi? I just I resonate with uh, Jimmy um, uh, along those lines. You, you just always kind of felt a knot in your stomach for him. Uh, again, with all due respect, he is one of the top drivers in the world. Yeah. You, you, he, you can't take that away from him. And the fact that he was a decent person uh, when we had some real controversy, personality type of uh, revealing, people's real personality came out this year that weren't necessarily so pleasant. But they always hear something nice about uh, Nicholas was was good. And, and uh you know, I wish him the best. I, I kind of wonder where he's going to settle. I, I, it, it'll be good to, to see. Hopefully, he m- remains in the store, uh, the sport at a pretty high level to, uh, uh, you know, just kind of keep his mitts in it because it's, it's good to hear about people like that off and on. Yeah. I, I'll, uh, one thing I want to say is it's got to, I think, even be more difficult to be a long-running backfield driver than uh, – than like even a midfield driver or something because you're you're constantly hearing the things that you know we just talked touched on the the or getting the death threats or um and to keep a composure and to stay a good guy I think I think that can be even more difficult than somebody who's constantly finishing in the points um but yeah Okay, moving on the, to a non full time driver but he did score two points in the. Grand Prix of Monza, Mr. Nicholas DeVries. Um, Matt, why don't you start us off with DeVries since you didn't talk on the TV? Yeah, happy to. I think Nick DeVries to get your feet wet at Monza, classic track. I mean, one of the oldest tracks in the in the circuits. Uh, fastest, too. Fastest, you know, and that, that turn one, two is really complicated. Um, what are you in first gear there? I, I think he did a great job. Uh, and I think... Jim, did you know, I think he only had like half a day's notice before he got thrown in that car because of Alex Albon's appendicitis. Like, can you imagine like not even really knowing the car or controlling the car or like, um, like just to be thrown yeah, into I, the I, car like that? Yeah, <laughs> but hard, number one, especially hard at Monza if, you're, if your neck's not in shape because you've got the parabolica yeah. and you've got some other, you know, the, the two Lesmo turns and the Escari turn. So your neck's going to take a workout. <laughs> and if you're not in shape, um, 
you you're going to have a rough time on a track like Monza. That's for sure. It would have been worse in the old days when you didn't have the chicanes, but it's still pretty, still pretty rough. I think, yeah, I, I he said, I think he was saying his shoulders and his neck about the last ten laps. He was barely hanging on, like <laughs> literally resting his head on the side of the car to keep it up. Which, which I mean, because let's let's be honest, he's a reserve driver, so he has to be in in good enough shape. But that just shows the difference between being a full time driver and and being a reserve driver and having to come in and have those physical limit those physical extremes put on your body. Um, Dad, anything you want to say about DeVries? Uh Yeah, I I think his consistency is the thing I take away. Yeah, is that he he uh, he uh, qualified P nine, ended up P nine, an incredibly challenging course has been ex- uh, discussed heretofore and I, I just I mean golly I'm excited to see and I think he's going to be in better equipment next year too so I I think that uh, I'm kind of excited to see where he starts and ends up yeah I think it was really I think it was one of those moments that don't come along very often and there's something to be said about an individual who can like really seize the moment because he could have easily just made it made it around the track, you know, and not crash the car. And I think yeah. that would have been an acceptable stand-in performance, but he excelled. He got – Vettel made him look bad. Like, Alonzo is – like, that is putting a bull in a china shop over there. Like, Alonzo does not tolerate BS. And I feel like all – a lot of Stroll's whole personality is BS. And I'm so interesting to see what's going to happen because he's going to say it. He's going to say, the only reason you're here is your daddy's the owner of the team. I just <laughs> counting down the days for when he just says the thing we're all here and we're all saying. Yeah, he, he's good enough to drive the car. He's good enough to, you know, get it around the track. But, I mean, nobody's caused more accidents, I feel like, this season. Nobody's taken top drivers out more than Lance Stroll. And it's just – it it just kind of – ruined a few races for me where I, th- I thought there were chances for other people and it was just down to Lance kind of not getting out of the way and just, I don't know. He, he seems like the, uh, like an annoying little sibling or something, but I mean, clearly good enough to drive the car. He yeah. Can, he can put down good He's times. Surprising results. I yeah. will always give him that, but, but, uh, please get out of the way. It seems that those results have become fewer and fewer and fewer and the incidents like that you were you were alluding to have increased and increased and increased and it takes no more looking than the uh, the crash at Austin with his future teammate and you could hear I rewatched it today <laughs> and you just <laughs> both of them <laughs> were like there was like a second where they're like I can't say what I want to really say right now <laughs> like everybody was thinking it everybody was thinking but it. I just the the amount of instances where those two are going to be put together are just it's going to exponentially go up and i think that they're already off on the wrong foot and i just boy that's that's going to be interesting jimmy dad i just pretty good on his day um yeah not much more to add to some pretty amazing races in turkey baku did botox tip him at the line at baku one year that was second. amazing that's the one i was thinking of too yeah but you know we're going to be talking a lot about likability bias, which we've already started. Yeah, so. 
you know, apologies there. So some of these guys, and we'll, we'll go up the line. You're there. You know, you don't really root for him for various reasons, but, uh, but yeah, I can drive the car when he's good on his day, but not consistent, but yeah. All right. Yeah, totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, that, uh, uh, he's, uh, I'm kind of, I'm just over him. Yep. Just over him. And the good thing is, is Alonzo's going to be consistently five to 10 positions ahead of him on a regular basis and out of his way and, yeah, and, and all of that. So that's where I'm at. I'll have, I'll have some more to say about that, but we'll, I'm going to wait till we get to Alonzo. Um, moving okay. on, P14, Pierre Gasly. I'm going to start this one off because I've been a fan of Gasly for a long time, and I am so excited. I I really hope that we get to see um, the the 2021 Gasly come back. I could just you could just sense it throughout the end of the last season that he was done there at at AlphaTauri, and AlphaTauri was done with him, and it got to be a really bad situation there. And I just think this is the shakeup that Gasly's going to need. And I've always thought Gasly just was a was a really good driver that just didn't have a, a, the best and most fair shake. Um, and uh, and and this is going to be the first time where he's on his own. He's out of the Red Bull um, camp, um, but he's got he's got some proving to do. Anybody else want to take it over, Jim? Want to race? You know, I, I just put the top 20 in what I thought in my order. I would, I would rank him 12th. Um, won a race, drove, drove a great race to win it. I think in front of science was in Italy a couple yeah. of years ago, but yeah, good on his day. He deserves to be in the midfield. That's for sure. I saw him at Monaco in uh, 2019 and I think he had a pit stop or something, but came flying back through the field and finished about six. So I think it drove very well. And, um, but, uh, yeah, good on his day again, and he deserves to be in that midfield for sure. Well, and, and I think if it, in going to Alpine, I mean, if they can, if the, if the car is at all is on, on par with the car that they had this year, that's kind of back to that 2021 AlphaTauri car where Gasly was, you know, P4, P5, P4, P5, P6. Like, he was he was the Russell of 2021. Um and it's just going to be really interesting to see a French team with two French drivers. Um, and if he can really like, I hope he can do what DeVries did and like go, cause like, I mean, I think he's got to recognize that this is the best shot he's got. Like, I don't think unless he can really stun people at, at Alpine, Alpine's going to be the best team he's going to get after he lost the Red Bull seat, which I think he lost unfairly, but Alphatari was stagnating when he was there, and I don't, I don't think there's a real vision for Alphatari moving forward. Um, but Alpine, if they can stay on the pace that they were on and kind of stop making dumb decisions and losing their two best drivers to other teams, I mean, you can do a lot better, you can do a lot worse than an Ocon Gasly lineup. I mean, let's be honest, they're both two. I would say like you said, midfield drivers, but I've always thought Gasly has shown sparks of greatness. And uh, I, I'm optimistic. I've always just kind of liked the guy, and I, I'm, I'm just optimistic for that future moving forward. Dad? Ooh la la is all I can say. I oh, mean, wee wee? Oh, no, no, wee wee, it's right. Uh, 
uh, two French drivers, a French team that, I mean, the Renault um, heritage is, uh, you know, they've run some world championships. And so, um, hey, uh, I'm looking I'm going to be watching that one. Yeah, I wonder if the, if if their blunders and all the the bad press and shade that they got is going to light a fire under their tushies too, and they're going to come with a, mm. a cracking car. Like it could it could happen. It could be really interesting. Yes. All right, moving on to America. Um, Haas P13. Kevin Magnuson. Why don't you start us off on K Mag, Jimmy? Yeah, I, I always rated him highly. He came in with McLaren. I mean, very highly rated early on. Again, a very solid midfielder. Um, and, you know, you just, you got to, but cracking the top six is very difficult. But when you get to that, when you start like number seven through 15, it's really hard to pick among those drivers. A lot of talent. Uh, better driver in that team, and uh, yeah, can, and on his day, was he in the pole somewhere, Brazil or somewhere like that? Yeah, he, um, he had the, he won in yeah. pole position. Yeah, yep. And that was on but, America. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, good on his day for sure. I think I think next to maybe Alonso, Magnussen's probably got to be one of the best opening lap drivers that the grid has right now. He's constantly – there was, like, I think, three races where he made up more than five positions on the opening lap. But then he 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 always – he seemed to always be putting himself in situations that he didn't need to be in. And, like, Matt just hand handheld to me that he had five DNFs. And I don't think – and they were not mechanical ones, though. Um, like Botas had a lot of mechanical DNS. These were punctures, spins, offs, and that just from being in positions that he um, shouldn't have been in. Uh, so I I think that if he can if he can convert some of those must be your fans. Um, everybody can hear that in the headphones. I'm anyways. sorry, yeah. sorry, I was getting a call. I don't. Okay, um, that he could he could really be a better driver, and I think that some of that coming back after being out in nowhere, the pressureless you know boost that he got that was led to some of those early start really good top top point finishes. Um, they're going to be gone now, and I think he's going to have a lot more to prove, especially with Hulkenberg. Um, as a teammate who's going to be coming in without that pressure that I didn't expect to be here kind of mentality, um, not to mention uh, Magnuson and Hulkenberg aren't the cl- closest uh, friends, um, There's that's going to be another interesting team dynamic to watch. But, um, yeah, it would just be interesting to see. I definitely would say Max or, or K-Mag did a lot better last year than I thought he was going to do, and, and I think he surprised a lot of people, and I'd like to see him build on that. Um, and I think there's going to be some interesting opportunity there because I think, I think that um, uh, Hulkenberg is going gonna, is gonna to be someone who's going to push him more than, than Schumacher did for sure. Um, Dad or Matt? I'm good. Oh, well, I, I mean, you, you mentioned it just a little while ago that, Haas may be coming with a bit better technology and uh, better equipment. Uh, I always, when I think of Magnuson, I think 
the guy has a mentality that he's in a car a lot better than he is. And if that's the case, then if he does have a car that's better, might surprise us some. Uh, he, I think he got in the way a lot because he thought he had the car to keep him in position, and he just didn't. Yeah, I, I would agree so. with that. I think he's uh, he's capable. He's a very capable driver of pushing other good drivers to kind of their limit, you know, without truly getting in the way too much. I know he had a few scrums this year where he, you know, were nipping tires or whatever, but um, good driver. He can make it on any given Sunday, you know. Yeah, I I, I think uh, I was seeing something that I, I think Gene Haas is going to really double down on investments. Um, I think – I think with the announcement of Andretti and Cadillac and and stuff that uh, I just think that 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 to lose that the biggest blunder of the entire year was Alpine losing him and um, Oscar Piastri. Can you imagine if he they just would have said like I'm sorry if you have Alonso driving the way he was driving. Like and he said, I want a two year contract. You just give him the two year contract. Like that's just silly. But okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up because I'm I'm rambling. But any uh, Jimmy or Dad, you guys go for it. Yeah, not much to add on. Yeah, and I'll bequeath my time because I don't want to lose Jimmy during this. <laughs> There's more stories to be heard. Yeah. I think it's I think it's a shame that Ocon is sitting P eight over Alonso P nine and it, it really only comes down to the DNFs because as mm-hmm. consistent and good as Ocon was, uh, he nowhere near like for a four like there should be the biggest bonfire under that kid's butt when you have a, a guy that's, you know, ten years your senior with you know, and you're you're struggling to keep up with him, and you're the driver with the three year deal. I just, I mean, um, I mean, Oka, I I don't, I feel like this always happens to Okan where I don't really have a lot of good to say to him. But minus, there was some brilliant overtaking that he did in Spa. Uh, there were several times where he he passed two. Oh, and and Silverstone, I believe too, where he was one of those drivers that you know is passing two people on one turn. Um, it's going to be interesting next season when he's not being compared to Alonzo. Maybe he'll shine a little bit more, but that's only if Gasly doesn't come in and just <laughs> overturn everything as well. Um, but yeah, anything else to add on those two Alpine drivers, nine and eight and nine guys? Nothing here. Cause we, not I. Cause nope. I think nope. we're now we're getting into the doll. Yeah, really... We're all chomping at the bit. Yeah. Okay. I, I can hear us who, all just who, like let's, ready let, to <laughs> let's give Norris to dad. Dad, go with Norris. Um, down drove the car with the most awesome livery in the, on the grid. Yeah. Are you talking about the golf, <laughs> the golf livery or the, the golf orange, or just the papaya orange, just their papaya orange. The wheel covers, man. Oh, the chrome, yeah, <laughs> chrome wheels. What a brilliant yeah. strategy. Yeah, no, um, nothing really comes to mind. Again, I just want to move forward. Just I, okay. I have a lot to say about Norris because I you say it absolutely without a doubt one of the the best drivers on the grid currently, and I. 
the 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 driver lineup and pairing that I am most excited to see next year is Piastri and Norris. Because there's been so much hype around Piastri and saying that he, you know, is a Leclerc. He is a, a, a Russell. He is, you know, one of these ultimately just raw ability um, pace drivers. And, you know, if, if this is what Norris is capable of without a teammate pushing him, What's it? What's he gonna put up when he's got the youngest, hottest, new kid on the block pushing him? You know, because all of all of Norris's drive, let's be real, was coming from within last season. You know, he Ricardo, like what was that? Ricardo had thirty-seven points. Norris had one hundred and twenty-two points. I mean, talk about putting a car where it didn't belong. Every every time every qualifying it was just boom a shocker lap from norris and i just hope that mclaren has gotten their act together and comes with a car because those two drivers together we could see some real magic or some real collisions and real any way you shake it it's going to be fantastic to see um i'm a huge norris uh, driver fan. Um, I think he is. One, it's crazy that he's not on everybody's top list. As um, you know, a lot of people question if he's as good as Russell or as good as uh, Leclerc. I think he's a better all-around driver than Leclerc. I don't think he's one lap as fast. I don't. I hardly don't know if anybody's as fast as Leclerc over a single lap. But as an all-around driver, I think Norris is definitely in my top three. Um, on the grid and what a performance last year. What a way to dig within yourself. You know, like everybody was looking for looking at Ricardo to come into that team and be the leader and be this experience. And, and in turn, it was Norris that was pu- pushing everybody forward. I just think what an incredible drive. And he, he got, he got, uh, two fastest laps. Yeah. He got, I mean, he just got, I feel like so overlooked, because every time we talked about McLaren, it was how bad Ricardo was doing and not how good Norris was doing. Um, but, yeah, I think he's an incredibly exciting racer. He's There's so much to look forward to with that guy's career. He's, um, yeah. But if there's nothing else to say to add on to that from you guys, we can move on because there's more drivers to look forward to as well. DJ Land? Yeah, totally agree. I totally agree with that analysis. That's absolutely correct. Yep. Well, moving on, we have in P6, and I didn't think it would be here, but Mr. Lewis Hamilton, P6. Uh, Dad, you want to take, or, yeah, let's go with Dad. Well, you know, we were sitting here last year in the last podcast that involved uh, Jimmy, and we were talking about, oh, man, how things ended up in 21. Uh, Lewis is going to come back with a vengeance. But it looks like Mercedes sort of let him down. Huh? <laughs> uh, so will this be the year he gets number eight and becomes the greatest all-time driver? Well, that's where I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking about Lewis Hamilton and 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 uh, all that. Disappointed how that just didn't come together, and that's just a personal thing. 
Very much so. Jimmy, what do you have to say about Hamilton? Yeah, you know, I still can't watch that last episode of uh, Drive to Survive where he lost the championship. I mm. watched it up to that point, but just haven't can't make myself watch the watch the rest. Um, you know, when you start to get into these top teams, you start to kind of there probably should be a discussion about the culture of the three teams because they're three really different cultures. And um, there's there's a Harvard Business School study now on Mercedes. Uh, there's a lot of uh, YouTube videos you can see with Toto Wolf, and uh, they were improving that team toward the end of the year. Russell won that race. Hamilton, I think, still has it. Um, again, likability bias. I think he, when he lost the world championship, uh, I, I just see he acted uh, superbly. I thought, as opposed to Max in that last race um, when he uh, he hurt uh, Perez, but. Um, that's kind of mm-hmm. a long discussion. But, yeah, no, I highly rate him, love him, and he's great for the sport, great from day one. And with all the pressure on him, I think he's just handled handled his public persona perfectly. And, you know, tremendously sensitive about social issues. He, re- he really, uh, really is. And you know, he'll go on to bigger and better things, I think. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Jimmy. That's a great analysis. And, and just what a classy individual. He carries himself well. He's always got some style going on, and uh, and also welcome to Denver as a new owner, part <laughs> part owner of the Denver Broncos. Um, but the best driver in the field, I think. If if you gave him the best equipment or equal equipment, I think we'd really see something. It was just hard to see a team like Mercedes. I mean, they they were not hampered by DNFs. I think each uh, he had two, and George had one. So probably the best team DNF wise, and. Uh, they both just struggled early on in the season to dial in that car. So hopefully this coming season we see something miraculous where everything's dialed in and we can just really see them fly. I think, Dad, you said one. I, I, I quietly snuck it in when you said Schumacher was the greatest driver. I think he's the second greatest driver. No, no, I think he's the third. Second. Mm-hmm. Senna. Um, but mm-hmm. Hamilton, without a doubt, is, I think, the greatest driver definitely in the modern era probably all times, even if you just look at it statistically, but because I, I think he's one of the most well-rounded drivers. I think you look at his mm. work ethic off the field and on the field and how he rallies a team and how he supports his team and not to mention what he's done for the sport of F1. Like he's not only, you know, he's, um, um, who, who, who is the, that movie rush about, with louder the and hunt, you know you have, hunt. you have the personality and like and like superstar quality of hunt, but you have the louder work ethic. I mean, he is, you know, he's 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 bringing up strategy. He's he's got his mind on so many different things, and he's, you know, he's got like Jimmy's touched on his his initiative to better the sport and better his world and and leave the sport. Um, better than when he came into it and and just the, the against all odds nature of of a black kid from a not wealthy family and just the raw ability and then just you know unrelenting pursuit for a better drive and uh i just there's there he's one of a kind he is a one of a kind and i i have no doubt that that he's going to get that eighth world title i think that's his main drive that's keeping him in the sport because let's let's besides breaking that record, I don't 
he's broken almost every other record and maybe adding a little bit of cushion for Max because Max, without a doubt, is coming up after him. But uh, just like you said, he just handles – he handled his loss and his wins with grace and, uh, yeah, I don't have a a, a real bad thing to say. I did recently see a a thing that he was talking about the 2020 year where – let's look at what he did. He got Mercedes – to change the color of their race car. Like, and they didn't even talk about it. <laughs> He's like, we're going to do this. Imagine what that would be. What what a symbol that would send the world that we're going to take the silver arrows and make them black. You know, and it wasn't, it wasn't a big issue. And he didn't, he didn't cause a big fanfare. But I mean, can you imagine Ferrari not being red? I mean, that's the same as Ferrari not being red as Mercedes not being silver, and they did it for a whole season because Hamilton said, imagine if we did it. Imagine if we did it, you know? And Mm -hmm. I just think there's so few people (laughs) that can do something like that. And then also, like, it's it's such a – he's such a rare person because not only is he the lead driver, not only is a star – no, I mean, he's everything. He's, he's a great role model for people, I think, yeah. in, in the sport and kids that are interested in the sport and just people in general. I think he's a, he carries himself well, and it's a it's a great example of how people can be excellent in their sport and also good people. It's possible, you know. And I know, and I know that the 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 points say you know that that Perez or that I mean that Russell had a better season, but let's not forget that for the first half of the season, Lewis was hadn't committed to the fact that they were in the position that they were in and was doing everything, trying wacky setups, trying to find a way to be in front and, you know, not settling for that car. Whereas even as the Mercedes was, was the worst Mercedes it's been in eight years, it's still the best car Russell had ever been in. Right. And so Russell was able to just come to terms with that because it was the best shot he's ever had. It was the best car he's ever been in, minus the Bahrain 2021 car. But um, he also had those young joints. Where yeah, Lewis, you know, we had to carry him out of the car at one point. It looked like after a race yeah. where you know he'd just been hammered by the car. But once Hamilton came to terms with the car and put his head down, there was an immediate tenth gap to Russell. Yeah. You know, like he is still one of the fastest drivers on the grid um, on raw pace, but he's also, I don't think anybody on the grid comes close to his comprehensive understanding and racecraft. There's no one, maybe Alonzo. Carlos, Sainz. Close, (laughs) but again, like, I don't think anybody is as complete of a package as Lewis Hamilton. Agree. And I think the statistics show it in spades. All right. I think that was good enough for Hamilton. I know he's the good yeah. person. Let's um, move on to another person that I actually have a lot to talk about too, but I'm going to let somebody else start it off. Carlos Sainz. Matt, do you want to take – you haven't had a first crack in any in Sure, sure. Carlos Sainz is one of my favorite drivers, I think, for him to finish where he did and and lead the pack with DNFs at six, you know, tied for six with Fernando and Valtteri, to finish where he finished with a team that kept kneecapping him. Uh, you know, we said, we said earlier in the season, it was Ferrari season to lose. So I think, uh, both he and Charles did an amazing job with the car that they were given and they did all they could. They're both excellent drivers, but Carlos Sainz, I think is one of 
top three, four drivers in the whole field. Excellent. Jimmy, you have anything to say? Or Dad, do you have anything to say? Because I have a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I'm, I'm fine. I'll bequeath my minutes to you. Yeah, same. <laughs> Jimmy, one chance, a chance. The, uh, the, you know, science side, I don't rate science quite as high as uh, Leclerc, um, Russell, and Lando. I'm still great. He's right, right there, but. Um, where did you rank and again, him? Again, I think where would I, I probably put him sixth? Oh, uh, if I had to, had to <laughs> fit right in. Down, but I, I guess, yeah. But I, but I, I think if you had to, if I had to pick, I would pick one of the other three ahead of him. If I was looking for a, looking for a driver, I I'm going to disagree with you, <laughs> and I know you have more experience, but I just I think that to be within. Uh, I think they said if you averaged it out over a whole season that I was listening to the analysis by the race this morning that that science is within a thousandth of a second of Leclerc. Um, and I think as an overall package driver, I would ra- – this is going to sound crazy, but I would rather have science than Leclerc because, yes, Leclerc is I think a, a once-in-a-generational talent of speed and of raw ability and um, Mark Hughes's analysis of him and his, his break and throttle work in mid turns is nobody has that. Maybe Alonzo has that raw, just feel of a car that can, that can find those tenths and hundreds that no one else can find. But I looked at over as a driver in a total package and who I wanted over the last season, I ranked science way higher because Leclerc, there was there was multiple times where Leclerc got blundered because he didn't have the mind and he didn't have the authority, even though he's the de facto leader of that team. Where I think of the pit at Monaco that 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 blew him. I think of the the not going on to slicks in Brazil, um, and and there was and both of those times, you know, they were telling Leclerc, Leclerc saying, "What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do?" And science is saying, "I'm not doing that. You are going to put me on the slicks. I am going on. I'm going straight from inters to sli- or from wets to slicks in Monaco." You know, he he developed a brain, and then in in Brazil again, he was thinking 10, 12, 15 laps ahead. And he was saying, oh, we're not racing them. We're racing Perez, you know? And I think, and, and, and all of, all of science's trajectory has been, yes, I'm starting on the back foot compared to maybe a Russell or maybe a a Leclerc, but I'm going to outwork them. I'm going to finish ahead. I'm going to, I'm not going to settle. I'm not going to just stop. And his not quit and his continual improvement I am. I. I think the sky is the limit for science, and it. I mean, I am. He is by far my favorite driver now. Uh, I am the biggest science fan. Um, but I just think it's an all-around package with speed and like in and age on his side. I think he's he's ahead. He's ahead of science and Russell or uh, Leclerc and Russell. And now if he can just find a car that fits with his driving style, where he can can be at the gate and then not have the reliability issues, I think it would have been so much closer and he would have been so much higher up. I definitely think there's a world champion in him some at some point. It's just 
if 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 the circumstances allow. I'll add to that. Yeah, Go I, for th- it. I think the the races he DNF, they were either mechanical failures that yep. were pretty spectacular with fires and whatever, or in the first couple laps, he was just bumped off the track into the grass and never recovered. Re- recovered, you know. And it's like, you know, if you start first or second and you get bumped off, or uh, how about Japan when it was just raining and he goes through and it's like, oh, man. yeah, he's. I, I don't know. I think he's terrific, and there's really a lot of future for him. I agree with you, Andy. And I and I also think there's good points from Jimmy on that. Yeah, yeah. But you know, we'll we'll see next season. Okay. Any any chance to rebut my my points, Jimmy or Dad? I think you can circle back to this later uh, because there's a, there's a, another broader issue when it comes to the top three teams with regard to the culture of the team. Yeah. And, the, and and we can circle back to that. Now, Andy, let you go through the other other couple of drivers here. Okay. Well, George Russell. I don't. I. I'll. Uh, Dad, why don't you take Russell starting off? Well, uh, I. I mean, he's he's awful good, and uh, I don't necessarily like him as a person. I don't think, but. Don't ask me to explain that either, but um, uh, I'm just curious to see what 2023 will bring with the uh, Hamilton-Russell package, uh, whether he'll start to show development um, in his, um, I mean, being more of a team guy, I think, and... I think that's maybe my beef about him. There's no question he's an awesome driver, but is he a good teammate for Lewis? Because I want Lewis to get number eight. <laughs> mm. I I think that there's already I I heard a story that they're already preparing for the inevitable fact that George is not a Botas, he is not a Perez, he is a Leclerc, he is a Norris, mm-hmm. he is an extreme talent and Matt just showed me a thing that, you know, he finished fifth or better in every race, but three races. Um, that's, that's pretty remarkable. I mean, he's consistent. He is quick and it's gonna, and, and look at Brazil. He held Lewis back. He, they were free to race. Where did he go into the, into the gravel on, on, qualifying was that brazil yes that is where i thought and we've seen this and it's now i mean checo did it in uh monaco and i i feel like maybe in azerbaijan there was talk that um alonso might have gone off or something like he knew he was ahead so he went off and just shunted just to end quali yeah i feel like and and maybe it's debatable but if we looked at that i wonder i wonder on after a straightaway the start finish straight away and you go off like that straight off. It's like, come on, George, you, you can do better than that. And I feel like it's wet as a wet track. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think George is very smart. He's obviously a great driver, but obviously we've said it. He's not a very good team player. And I think he wants it as much as anybody, which is great. I love seeing people win. I love seeing, seeing the drive in people that fire, but uh, don't forget that it's a team sport. Yeah, I I don't I uh, I mean I want Hamilton to win his eighth world title as much as any other person, and I think the biggest hindrance to that will be next season with George because 
I think Mercedes is going to come with a really quick car. And I think it'll be back to uh, Mercedes Red Bull and Ferrari is going to be a little off. But like Jimmy said, we can talk about that in a little second. But Only one DNF for George, by the way. Well done on finishing. Yeah. And I think Hamilton had two DNFs and one of those DNFs was an error and an unforced error as well with that collision with Alonso at Spa. Um, but I, I think, I, I, I mean, there's whatever thing you guys just touched on, but I really don't think we can touch his overall season. You know, there was a lot of eyes on him and there was a lot of eyes on Mercedes and he shut every single one of them up. Just came in, put in the results. Uh, there's still a gap to Russell over, you know, when, when, or a gap to Hamilton. I think it was only a couple hundreds. Um, George had five DHL fastest laps, by the way. Or uh, four, I'm sorry. Four fastest laps, second to Max only, who had five. So That says a lot. I, I think I, I, there's you can't really touch the, the all-around just fantastic season that Russell had. And honestly, without Russell's consistently good points finishes, you would see a very, you know, would Mercedes have held on to the third place in the Constructors title? I think they would have. But it, it would have been a heck of a lot closer. Um, I I think he had a fantastic season, and I don't think we can really take that away from him. Jimmy, last points to you. No, not much to add. It's going to be interesting going forward uh, to see how they do. But he's very ambitious. You know, you go back to those teams where you essentially had two number one drivers or two drivers who were really thought they should be world champion. You go back to Senna and Prost. Yeah that was, you know, had some hellacious collisions between the two of them. And so you're probably better off having a clear number one and clear number two, which is probably not the case now at, at Mercedes. But well, that I mean, going forward. Hamilton is the number one, but Russell well, is the future of the team. Russell thinks he's, <laughs> he's co-number one, though. That's the problem. Yeah. But, uh, I agree with Jim yeah. on that. It, it, he's not number two in his head no and nor should he be no if you want to win you don't start the you, race yeah you can't two. you cannot do that or you turn into a botas or a perez but i think mercedes is a good enough team with good enough leadership yeah you have to establish you, a chain of command you have to imagine that they've been having talks and oh. talks and plans about this because you can't because they also can't afford to lose russell either like they don't they, they need if they want to be in a competitive place moving on in the future, Russell is the future. I mean, let's be realistic. Even if Hamilton races into 41, 42 like Alonso, there's, you know, there's just no competing against some of these young guys. Uh, you know, as and, and I think they do need a future racer. I think that's why they went with George over Botas is they have so many more years in George and George earned it. But uh, it is a. I do not as a man as someone who's been in a management position. I do not envy the the navigating of that interpersonal relationships of of one of the greatest driver of all time coming to an an eventual end to an amazing career, and a young guy who has really a lot of potential, and needing to foster that potential and encourage it. To, to, to take over for Hamilton. I mean, it's it's a position I don't envy anybody. I, I don't I, I don't envy anybody in that scenario at all. Hamilton, Russell, everybody else in the team, 
Wow. Another, yeah, another really interesting lineup there. I would love to be in Toto Wolf's shoes, just for the record. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, okay, moving on to somebody who's going to be in a very difficult position moving forward, Mr. Sergio Perez, P3, uh, finishing with 305 points. Uh, let's let's kick it to Jimmy. Jimmy, what do you have to say? I, I don't you know, clear number two can win on his day. Things break in the in the right way. Um, you know, his, his career later career has been obviously much better than the, the first part of his career. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I didn't like what happened with, with Max and him at the uh, at the lab where Max could have helped him, and, and Max had nothing to gain by that. And it just I don't know struck me the wrong way. But uh, I think felt a little bit. He, I think he really helped Max. Early on in the year, I, the, the Monaco incident there may be more to it than I'm, I'm aware of, but um, but uh, yeah, not much to say on Perez. From what I've understand, that he's almost all but admitted that he did bend it, and the trajectory, the the analysis shows that he there was a boot of throttle in a place where there shouldn't have been. And I want to say, good job, Perez. I think, <laughs> I mean, I, that's not the right way to do it, but I think he's got to understand that the op. The opportunities are few and far coming. If he doesn't make some, get some wins and take and be a little, you know, selfish in some of those positions, as just as long as he walks the line to where he doesn't lose the drive. But I would love to see an unbelievable Perez next year that just doesn't take the guff, doesn't, um, Align. I know he is the second driver to Max. I mean, obviously, but he doesn't have to be. I mean, just that's that's really unfair. But okay, yeah, (laughs) just show up and do it. But I think (laughs) out of that exchange, I think Perez won. You know, if we look at who who came out of Brazil in a better light, it's definitely Checo. Or or, you know, the Spanish Grand Prix where he got out of the way. Yeah, had nothing to say. He's like, okay, well, I Um, like it, but here you go. He helped them the whole season long. And I think I'm with Jimmy on that. P- Perez has, without a doubt, been the best second driver that Red Bulls had in a long time, and he's done the job that you know Gasly couldn't do, and Albon couldn't do, and Danny struggled to do. And I, I, I think you know I I like Checo. I've always liked Checo, and I just I, I was glad to see him get a couple wins, and I'd like to see him get a couple more and. Yeah. It it could it could play for a really interesting world championship if we have Russell and Hamilton battling it out and Hamilton and Perez battling it out and we just see Norris sneak up and to win a bunch of times or or Piastri <laughs> I I I uh I think it it's it's going to be there's some very interesting dynamics but with with Ricardo waiting in that P3 position I don't know how strong that contract language is but um, <laughs> maybe that's why he's there maybe the whole Checo dynamic now has soured and maybe we get one more season with him on Red Bull I think so and they say hey you play number 2 or you're gone buddy yeah it, it's sad I, I, you know that I, looked like a uh, that looked like a helmet Marco move to be yes, honest with you very uh, very much I think, <laughs> I think it was I think helmet Marco released it before the team officially did like he was just set it off off cuff um before it had officially been announced that ricardo was coming on for that p3 position but i agree with you jimmy that that's a hell that's got helmet marker written all over it you know but ferrari used to pit his drivers against each other like that and um uh you know there there's ways to 
motivate people and run your organization in their in their different ways. And and then Red Bull is more like the old Ferrari, I think. Uh, well, when I it think, comes to their drive, I think you know Mercedes. We had the Russell or we had the Rosberg Hamilton oh, dramas. That was brutal. But I also think that brutal, but also one of the you know like it's also very great as a fan. Yeah. To have people, I mean, that's what we watch the sport for, is to see people being un, unrelenting and uncompromising and, and, and selfish and wanting to win. Like, that is sport. I also that is like competition. The, I also like the gentleman driver, though. I mean, I would like to see people just race their heart out and not think about shunting to save a position in quality. Or, sure, but you know. when, you're, when you're on well, the, the problem Well, the problem yeah. in the old days, was that a lot of the Ferrari drivers got killed. I mean, you, you look in the late 50s and you can just run down the list of, of guys that maybe pushed themselves too hard and you go through, yeah. Yeah. you know, Deportago, Trips, you know, Hawthorne, Collins, you name it, uh, Luigi Musso. Um, but it, made, it was easier to lose your life in those days. Um, but, uh, well, it, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I yep. think that's been a shift in the modern era as well, is that the drivers now see themselves as like almost like a union, and it it's more the drivers against FIA and the and the the sport and saying, hey, we're we're not going to tolerate some of these unsafe practices. We're not going. You need to give us clear guide like rules and guidelines to drive to because I think there was I I heard heard in one of the Beyond the Grids or something when they were talking about that big dinner that they all went to to say goodbye to Seb, you know, you've never, I've, I've never seen anything like that in the history of the sport. You know, most guys, like you were saying, they, they couldn't stand each other, let alone go out to dinner with each other. And I think the more time drivers spend together, they also realize that there is only 19 other guys who know what you're going through and understand the demand and understand the pressure and understand the struggles of that calendar and I, it's it's interesting to see them get closer instead of further apart. But then you throw you throw a championship in the mix, and it it all can change so quickly. You know, I mean, Rosberg and Hamilton were best friends at one yeah. point, and then. But as Jimmy said too, I mean, Max had nothing to gain by no, saying and, no. He he just revealed his true colors, I guess. You and I say, think which, that Perez said that too, yeah, and yeah. It, and I think everybody saw that, yeah. and and. I'm fine with it because I do think <laughs> that that is Max, you yeah, know. Yeah. And what a, I mean, you had already won the world title. Let's put it this way: it's hard to dispute otherwise at this point. True, you and can I just say think, whatever you want. About I understand him, Max's side too in saying, "Hey, you cost." Thinking that Perez cost him something when we that we we know that actually it would have been Leclerc. Like the, the 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 stats or the timing charts would show that Leclerc was even up on Max, who was up on Perez. So, but but that's. Beyond, but save yeah. it for something that matters, you know, but to, to stiff the guy a P6 <laughs> when you've already won the world title, you're just doing nothing but bringing your own stock down. Well, and also taking a dig at his own team because he was very close with Leclerc there and Leclerc, I mean, th that was still up for grabs. I yeah. Think, right. Yeah. And, and, and then just to the, the thing, well, we talk about that when we get to Max actually. <laughs> sure. Dad, last points on Checo. Yeah, I think he was involved in probably the most disappointing uh, moment of the 2022 season for me. And, um, I mean, what would you rather have? Uh, two Red Bull drivers, one and two, to finish the season, one and two, and win constructors 
points that have the true trifecta, or would you rather make a statement or some kind of stupid or selfish point? I don't know what it was. And just, I mean, not a, not allow that to, to come to fruition. I mean, between Ferrari's crappy strategy and Leclerc's crashing while leading the race, who deserves second place more is, is my point there. So yeah, I, we're all on the same page there. And I mean, it came down to three points, yeah. you know, and there, yeah. was, there was more opportunities where they could have just been more of a team. As, as Jimmy said, the team management in. is kind of everything, you know, you talk about leadership. You know, in the, in the 19, this is going back in history, obviously, but the 1956 Italian Grand Prix, Fangio, and he was in a Lancia Ferrari that year. Um, and he, I think the, the car broke down, he's into this, but you could, uh, take another driver's car. So they brought Luigi Musso in, in a Ferrari and they asked him to turn his car over to Fangio and he refused. And then, uh, Peter Collins came in and immediately without thinking about it, they asked him, he turned his car over to Fangio, which gave him enough points to win the world championship. So there was real chivalry back then. Yeah. And, and in, in 58, uh, Moss, who, uh, should have won a bunch of world championships. Uh, Mike Hawthorne was disqualified from a race, penalized. Uh, and, and Moss went to the stewards and had them reverse the decision, which then cost Moss the world championship. Uh, just trying to do the right thing. So, you, you know, you see some of these old things that happened and drivers that acted with real chivalry or acted the right way. And then you see some of this stuff. And it just, as you said, there's a likability bias there that, and kind of turn you off. So I'm, I'm with Jimmy. I want to see more of that. You know, when Senna would just pull over to help someone out of a car that might have died. Yeah, but Senna, yeah. I mean, Senna I is the, also the guy who crashes into Prost sure, to win the world title. Sure. You know, like I think <laughs> I think there is there is yeah. nuance to but a human being. I just would like to see yeah. more more positive uh, messaging. Oh, I on. agree. I mean, look at Hamilton and the yeah. way Hamilton yep. finished in Brazil. Yeah. You know, he didn't say, oh, George. You know, he said, congratulations, George. Yeah. And I you think know? he meant it. Yeah, yeah of course. Felt good for him, yeah. And how, how hard is it to come in second to the new guy <laughs> and then congratulate the new guy? You yeah. know, Max wouldn't have done that. Yeah. Max didn't do that. Max didn't do that. You know? Yeah. Well, we, we saw a bit of chivalry at the, the Brit, uh, British Grand Prix. Oh, yeah. We're we're after yeah yeah where Yuki had jumped out I, I mean know. had Russell. had that horrible wreck and then Russell yep. stopped his car although the race was red flagged um, I wish they did and I don't know about but that was a shame but I think Russell said he they could have gotten that car back going they did say and that. it was that he did get yeah. out of the car that lost him the position to get it going again yeah yeah but his his motivation was concern. For his fellow drivers, fellow human beings, fellow brother in the racing um, uh, world, and it cost him. Cost him a lot. Yeah. All right, we got to move on. And yeah, sorry, we got to move on. I want to keep. Was that George's one DNF? Uh, that, that might have been it. Yeah, I yeah. think it was. So, I mean, yeah. he definitely per- didn't finish that race. Perfect season, otherwise. Finishing. Um, okay, but I got. We got to talk about Charles Leclerc while we still have time with Jimmy. Um, Jimmy, let's start with you with Charles Leclerc. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, one of the I say he's in the that's my group of drivers right behind Max and, and Lewis. Um, you know, the young guns coming up, and um, you know, it's going to be something to see down the road. As as good as these guys are, 
they might not win a world championship when you have somebody like Max around, um, or even a lot of races. Um, uh, they may have a great career and have a bunch of podiums and no no wins or one win. Um, so yeah, that's a terrific driver. But yeah, again, these guys are all young, and I think we all underestimate the number of, the, the amount of pressure they're all under. And a lot of these decisions are bang bang things, and you're making very millisecond decisions on on things. And uh, so probably have to cut them some slack, I think. I'm with Jimmy there. I remember I did the uh, Spon- uh, Spanish Grand Prix with you. Uh, mm. And at the time, I believe Charles was the best driver in the field and probably on his way to winning a world title at that point in the season. And Spanish Grand Prix was, what, six? Six races of the season? Yeah. And I just thought he had the car, the team, and, and little did I know the team was going to just throw bricks at him for the rest of the season. So. <laughs> mm. Yeah, Dad, what do you have to say about LeClaire? Uh, a great line from the Wizard of Oz comes to mind um, when they, the group is on the way to the Emerald City and uh, if, uh, if the old scarecrow only had a brain. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, between strategy and um, Charles' lack of focus, oh, man. Yeah. Hoping for much more maturity. I don't expect it out of the team, but I hopefully we can expect it out of Charles. Yeah, I uh, I think Charles really surprised me in a couple of times this ra- in this season. Um, I mean nine poles, nine poles, nine wow. pole positions, most of any driver on the grid. Wow! Um, but could only convert three of those to wins. Yeah. Yep. And I think that speaks yeah. to the team, and it, it's it's it, it. I mean, Ferrari's focus for the last two previous seasons was to bring a fast car, and they did, but then it stalled midway through, and 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 Red Bull was able to catch back up, and then and overall had one of the most dominating seasons in the history of the sport. And um, and but I think Charles personal response surprised me after after france when he dropped it and and in that you know just lost their rear and spun everybody was looking for an excuse for him and the team even was going to give him one and in the post-race interview he said i lost the rear i made the mistake and i can't do that and if i continue to do that i don't deserve the world title was that before or after monaco that would have been after, right? After, yeah. I feel like Monaco, he really yeah. lost his shoes. He took his shoes off. And yeah. Was like, that was it. And mentally, he never recovered from it. Which, I, which was a yeah. shame because yeah. he was on one of the all-time greatest laps, I think. I, yeah. I'm telling um, you. I, yeah. I thought he was going to win the world champion. I thought he had a very good shot at, def- at uh, making Max defend his he world He did. Title. He yeah. just needed a better team. Yep. He needed a better – it goes back to what Jimmy was touching on. They need a culture. And the thing that makes me so nervous moving forward is that I know everybody wanted Benito to be gone, and now they got their wish, but I think he had the right mentality. you got to look at Mercedes, and, and they are the, the ultimate example of what it's like to win in this new era. And, the, and it has to come with a culture that says, okay, yes, you need to be accountable for your mistakes, but we also need to find fixes for them. 
And, you know, you don't get a good team and a good strategy and, 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 a, and, a, and a reliably winning team if everybody's afraid all of the time. And I think that's how the culture has always been at Ferrari is everybody's afraid and therefore you don't get breakout ideas. You don't get, you know, a great car because everybody's unwilling to stick their head up because they're afraid to lose their job when it doesn't work or if it doesn't work. But you look at the fastest car that Ferrari has come came at, at, at last year. And I think that was a direct response to what Benato was trying to do and bring around a modern culture to to encourage more people to come to the Ferrari team. And I don't think, I think you, we just, you know, all the steps forward that Benato brought to Ferrari are all gone and out the door when they kicked him out. And I, I heard somebody else say that it takes at least three seasons to get back to where they're where, where they were with with Frank Frazier coming in and I just it, it just bums me out because it was so awesome to see Ferrari up at the top. Um Jimmy, do you have any thoughts on that? I know you had said you wanted to talk about culture. Well I know after you go through Max we can kinda of, again go back to that and talk about the cultural because I think that had a lot to do with what happened this season. So mm-hmm. But I think I th- I don't think that there's anybody on on the grid that is as, as raw quick talent as Leclerc. I just want to see him convert that raw talent to being a little bit more forceful, being a little bit more consistent, converting those that that pace to points, you know? Cuz it does no good to be the fastest car that you don't finish. Or yeah, you fall back. But he had he was he was leading three races this year and crashed out. Yeah. yeah right. On those three races. Three yeah. Laps, yeah. I mean yeah, and, so, that's, I think and that's what all I was talking of about his with, DNS came from P1. Yeah, and that's what I was talking about with him and Carlos. Yeah, they both had a phenomenal season, were it not for those three DNFs, and then or not, six DNFs. not to mention the blunders that they just had. Yeah, all right, let's do it. Let's talk about Max. Who <laughs> Max Verstappen? Never heard of him. Yeah, right. Um, I like, I think I've said it multiple times. The only thing I don't like more than Max is how gall darn good of a driver he is. Yeah, he's a no compromising. He's one of those guys. I mean, win at any cost. Fifteen wins, yeah. seventeen podiums. I mean, there's no driver in the history of the sport that's done that in a season. Has, has, has anyone had a season that was that long? Also, I mean, was this the longest season we'd seen so far? Uh, All my fans. Yes, are it is. But no, no, no. It's dad actually. <laughs> oh, maybe maybe they'd uh, fallen off the. Uh, the phone. But yeah, so Max Verstappen had a season that was unlike any other in the history of the sport. I mean, he had more races, I think, this, se- this season. No, but I think, I, I yes, he did have more races, but I think the race win percentage is still on level with Schumacher's 13. Oh, okay. So the percentage of wins per race. Per, per races per ra- in the right, season. Right, I think okay. it was, I, I think he does hold the record. Right, like, okay. I do think he... He clinched that record. Sure, sure. That's kind of and hard re- to regardless, <laughs> he, you know, the next most wins is three. Yeah, <laughs> I mean Leclerc had the same opportunity, and for most of the season had the faster car too. Yep, yep. So I mean, you can't take that away from him. He was untouchable. Yep. There were so I mean there were so many. I think of Spa. I think of. Um, 
what was another one where he came back from? Was it Spain? Spain, yeah. He spun and won. He had two races where he spun and won. I mean... How the, do you do that? How, how do you do that, right? <laughs> I mean, and I'm trying to think, rack my brains, and I'm sure fans can write in about which races. I think he was even further back for mechanical, like an engine changer, a transmission change or something. So he had to start further back in the grid and still won. He just had a rocket ship, and he just knew how to drive. The one that sticks out to me is Spa, where it was like, even though everybody knew he was starting in eighth, and they're like, I haven't, he's going to win still. Like, it was like, (laughs) like, you know, like it wasn't even a question, and then it was just pass after pass after pass. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, what do you have to think? What do you you want to say about Max? Oh, crikey, hold on. (laughs) I lost you when I – okay, you're there now. Sorry, guys. Yeah, just the best driver in a generation. I mean, he's just so good. Was good right out of the box. Where they start to drive with seventeen or something. Um, but yeah. uh, youngest driver in the history yeah, of the sport. He he was dominant in the car. You've got the best driver in the best car right now. He's just uh, he's terrific. Um, and we'll see, we'll see. But uh, you know, he could he could. I think all of his teammates are going to suffer by the comparison because he he could be yeah. when it's all said done the best driver of all time. So he's sixth every, everybody's right going to suffer again on wins like on the all time list right now. Max Verstappen is sixth. Wow, <laughs> it's it's hard to watch because I feel like he, if there's any drivers in the field now, is pushing harder than anybody, which leads to a lot more crashes. And it seems like some people just aren't going to tolerate that. You- and the, Increases the danger of the sport. There are, there are, you know, there were several examples that we can point to where Max does not compromise. You know, we had, we had uh, Monza the previous year. We had Sao Paulo Brazil this year with the collision with Lewis, and finally got awarded the penalty he deserved, in my opinion. Yeah. And then we also have the. I want to see more instances where the circumstances challenge Max because. I don't think he has the same resolve as like a Sainz or a Russell or a Hamilton when things are stacked against him. And we saw that in, I don't know, Singapore this year where, you know, he he's like, I know how good I am. And he like tries to force things to happen and then crashes happen or spins happen or circumstances happen. And it's going to be interesting to see when they don't just have an, the out and out fastest car that can plow through the grid. Um, if he can, it, it, you know, he's going to have to be more strategic and more careful. And I don't know if he has that ability to edit his talent, if that makes sense. Yeah. And are they taking their penalties for overspending this coming season? Is that what time? Yeah. Okay. They'll so get we'll reduction in wind tunnel or uh, CFD time. So we'll, we'll see. Dad, Max. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I agree with what's been said prior to me and, so I really can't say much more. It's just going to be fun to see the evolution, uh, where he really ends up. Uh, but like I, Jimmy said, it, you know, he's got the potential to to come out on top at the end of his career, um, despite how fantastic Schumacher was, even though he was during the traction control era. Mm. Uh, that I think he got a lot of wins from and. Um, uh, and uh, with Lewis, uh, just I mean, we are seeing some some incredible stuff going on. Albeit, we're having a lot more races than we used to. So, yeah. on the grand and the grand scheme of things, we we are continuing to experience the greatest 
um, greatest sport event uh, in of all time, no matter what the venue, no matter what the sport is. I, what garners more popularity, more money, more gut, you know, passion uh, than Formula One racing. So, yeah. well, I mean, ultimately, they're putting it all on the line. The the end, the worst case scenario is they don't make it through a season. Yeah, in, in a final way, you know. <laughs> so mm-hmm. they're, they're really, you know. Whereas like other sports, things can happen, but there's a lot more at stake. Jimmy, can you remember a field or a, 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 a an F1 grid that had more talent on it than this one that we're about to see in 2023 and like that we that we've seen in the last couple of years? No, I, 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 no, I think I I I agree with you on that. Um, there were some years when they were. Uh, some great driver battles at the top, obviously Senna and Frost and yeah. Brent and Stewart. And, and, but no, I think, um, um, throughout the entire field, I, I think there, first of all, you, you talk about Williams. The, the worst team is closer to the top team than, uh, has happened in the past. You had some real tail enders, you know, when the fields were bigger, 26 cars and, yeah. And that sort of thing. You had some real 10, uh, w- which had no, but I mean, Frank Williams coming up, he had a yearly budget of $250,000 for the entire year. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, working out of a phone booth and, um, didn't pay the drivers and he, you know, s- survived and then got the Saudi airlines money and then really became one of the probably two best teams in the world for about 20 years. Um, but no, I think quality drivers, yeah, they're all, and you know, there's many more drivers coming up to, um, they come from all over the world. You see the field and there's a Japanese driver and a Chinese driver and, you know, drivers from everywhere. And, you know, in the old days, it was, uh, in the fifties, you had Europeans and then Banjo was from Argentina. Then you had Fittipaldi, the first of the Brazilians coming in 1970. Um, and it expanded from there, but they come from all over the place uh, now, obviously. Yeah, I think we have a. I think the last couple of seasons and the season coming up, we have one of the strongest grids I've ever seen. Very diverse too. I mean, we have uh, you know we have Logan Sargent coming on for a first American driver in a long time. We have you know all the interest in America. We have three U.S. Grand Prix next year. We have uh, Miami, uh, Las Vegas, and we have uh, Austin. Um, we have so much more growth in the sport. We have Andretti trying to come in with Cadillac, Ford trying to partner with Red Bull as an engine supplier partner. I mean, it's just such an exciting time to 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 be watching the sport. We have some of the greatest. You know, we have Max and Lewis and Alonso, Leclerc, Sainz, Norris. You have you have the hopes of you have you know um, Oscar Piastri. We have you know. So much talent, so Nick much. DeVries. DeVries. Can't, can't wait to see what he does. Um, and then mm. you know, and, and you see the rise of Indian and 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 indie drivers wanting to come over. That you know, like Colton Herta, that just couldn't get the super license and stuff in order. I think you know, like it's 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 such an exciting time for motor racing, motorsport. You see, you know, group. Uh, you see Le Mans taking off again, and the hypercar. Um, and there was talk that Max may not. 
Max is one of the drivers who's who's expressed interest in leaving F1 to go race in other fields as well. And that that we, you know, him being such this this talent, but he's, you know, he has a contract. Yes, but after that contract, he said he might go do other racing series too. So I think it's just a very very interesting time to be following the sport and I think as as much fun at, or as 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 limited of an exciting season compared to 21 and how close 21 was this was a, a fairly enthralling season because of the new regulations which i think did create so many more on track battles um and so much more racing it would just happen to be in the midfield. But there were several, you know, there were so many qualifying sessions where there was less than a half a second separating the top 12, you know? And we're talking about missing out on on moving into Q3 by, by thousandths of a second for the last five positions. I think that we're, we're in one of the most competitive times of formula one and we're also in one of the tightest um margins of formula one that i know i've ever seen and it's just it's just been it's been amazing i just want to see that play out in that like 21 style though where yeah we're not we're not you know announcing race or world champions in suzuka yeah i i'm with you on that i I, i'd like to hear everyone else too but uh it was hard this season to have so many races and have it, you know, all wrapped up by Japan. I was like, and next year we have two more races. It was just a long season, and I loved every second of it, but it was long. <laughs> well, I know. I think it's still going to be 23. There's a 23 races next year. 24? No, because China, they couldn't find a, a oh, okay. replacement for China. Okay. So, anyways, but 22 races is a lot of racing, and it's hard on the drivers, Yeah, which I think we don't highlight enough. I mean a long season like that is just going to take its toll anyways. And yeah. then you put them under pressure of the car and all this stuff. It's Especially when you're 40. Yeah. And I, th- I wish people would stop making light of the age. Cause I feel like if you keep using it, you don't lose it. And it, as long as they're, I, I mean, I'm a huge Alonso fan as you know, and I think he has many more good years of racing. And I think Kimmy could come back if, if someone wanted him. I mean, he's no. probably capable, you know. Uh, I don't and, think Kimmy and, wants to come back. I don't think he wants to come back. He hates the interviews. But uh. Dad, Jimmy, your thoughts on the overall 2022 season? Start with Dad. Tim, go ahead. Well, I think that the regulations really did make for a much more enjoyable racing experience for me as a fan. And... Um, I just remember, you know, the Grand Prix at the Brit- again British Grand Prix, uh, where there are five guys going at it and just back and forth, and then there's, um, uh, yeah. It, uh, so I think it was it really did make a difference. I thought the racing was a much better product. Uh, I can only anticipate how 2023 is going to be. I think they're this is the proper tracks that they're taking the proper trajectory that they're taking to, to really make this even more special than formula one already is. And yeah, I think, I think the, the midfield was especially closer. Um, 
and these you've got some guys like Ross Braun. They they know what they're doing now, and 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 trying to uh, and give credit to Liberty Media. They they're doing a nice job in promoting it. Um, you know, getting it. It's very glamorous. You see the people they invite to the grid, and and uh, and uh, it's a real show. It's a much better show, and they're in now. They're going to Las Vegas now. You know, for example, they're negotiating, or Monaco is finding it harder to negotiate their deal because they used to be the, the premier race in the season, but now you're going to Miami and and um, Vegas, and it's taken away some of their negotiating power uh, in terms of uh, they they used to not pay for for the race, um, but mm-hmm. now. You know, the formula people are saying, no, you got to pay for the race or we're not going to, we're going to leave you off the calendar. And, and they're serious about it. That's the old Bernie tactic where Bernie would, uh, you know, he would have more races in his pockets and he had, he knew how to negotiate with people and say, look, if you don't, if Watkins Glen, if you're not going to do what I want, we're going to go to Long Beach or uh, Phoenix or Detroit or, or wherever. Um, but I think Liberty's done a, done a great job, but Bernie did a great job for years and years too. I mean, he really, brought it from a nothing sport unorganized and um, and to what it kind of became before Liberty took it over. I'm, I'm really excited to watch that Bernie documentary series that's coming out. Uh, you just... know what else is coming out? I, I got a call from Nick Niles, who's a friend of mine. It was Teddy Mayer, who used to own McLaren, his roommate at Cornell. And he said he was contacted by a New Zealand filmmaker named, I want to say it's Gavlik, I think was the guy's name, who's making a documentary on either the, the entire McLaren company or Teddy Mayer or Bruce McLaren. And he said, he's coming up to stay me. He wants to interview me. And why don't you come on up? Um, and then I haven't heard, I talked to Nick about two weeks ago and he's going to follow up to try to talk to him, but there's something uh, in the works with regard to a, to a, a McLaren documentary. Yeah, there's that. And then <clears throat> this one that's coming out about Bernie is the same guy who did Senna. Oh, and beautiful. He, okay. through, through the whole making of the documentary of Senna, he was on um, Collecting Cars with Chris Harris, his podcast, and they, they go into it and how he became friends with Bernie and Bernie's family, and like Bernie gave him so much uh, access to all of the archive footage because for decades and decades, Bernie just had film crews, and he didn't even have a plan for what he was going to do with all this footage. And that's where they got, yeah, that's where they got all the stuff for the Senate documentary. And then they alluded to, they weren't allowed to say, but there's also going to be, I'm pretty sure, a Ferrari documentary that the same director is going to do as well. Well, there's no question about the popularity. Bernie would, Bernie would never stay to the end of races. Um, And um, even if his, if his cars won, he would never go on the podium when he owned the Brabham team. But I was in the pits in 80 toward the end of the race. And I just happened to be standing right next to the Brabham team on the pit wall. And I was kind of going up and down it, but at the end of the race. And so Bernie came over and shook hands with everybody about 20 minutes before the end of the race. Yeah. And then walked, walked across the uh, pits, you know, got in a helicopter and he was <laughs> off to the airport uh, 20 minutes before the race ended. So, yeah. And Jimmy, I'm, I'm, curious, I'm curious to get your opinion here about, you know, the race courses like Monaco, legendary places like Monza or something. How would you feel if, if Spa, yeah, if they took them away? How, how do you, what, do you have any opinion on? Well, I, I, I'd be horrible. I mean, they're great venues. I mean, look, you can't pass at Monaco, but, and they complain about that, but it's still a terrific, um, terrific weekend. And, um, 
Yeah, very glamorous. And that's been, it have been racing there since 1929. So it's almost 100 years since, uh, uh, I, since they went there. Uh, but the new ones are good too, you know, but, but they're going to be monster expensive. But yeah, I mean, so, um, my point is like, how would you feel if someone said, Hey, we're going to take away Monza? I feel like I'd be heartbroken. Yeah, sure. A lot going to be tremendous history in Monza. Yeah. It uh, is a lot of drivers but have yeah. been killed there. A lot of world championships won there. And we yeah. also have to think about all of the new fans that are coming to the sport though, that don't. Like, it's up to us to not gatekeep the sport and not, you know, and that, that was kind of one of my whole goals with this podcast is to, like, try and share the love and the history and, 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 and not, you know, look at people who are coming into the sport and be like, oh, you don't know. Well, it's our job to let them know that yeah. and, well, <laughs> and, and show the, 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 the majesty and the, the heritage of some of those tracks because – if you're just a new fan and you're just coming in and you you I mean if you turned into to Monaco you'd be like yeah this is the most boring race ever <laughs> and well. it's like they got to find a way to 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 I think you know I think the points got to come from qualifying at, at Monaco they got to find a way to to shake it up I won't give anything away but Jimmy uh this season and I were speaking about it and um I asked him if there were a few races I should go back and see and one of them at least one of them was Monaco one year and Jimmy if you had a few races that you could recommend to people to go back and watch. Well, yeah, Monaco 84 is a great race to go see because they, about six different people could have won that race. And, you know, there were people running out of gas and crashing, cross crash <laughs> down by the harbor front. And, Don't get and then also away. a guy who, who could have won his only race was a guy named Andrea de Chesser. Him, you might remember him. Mm. He crashed so many cars. He used to, his nickname was Decrasherous. And, uh, <laughs> The number on his car was number eight, and they'd say, well, why does he have number eight? And they said, well, the same upside down. (laughs) (laughs) uh, But, yeah, take a look at the 84 uh, Montgomery, and also the 70 race where uh, Rint passed uh, Jack Graham on the last corner when Graham split into the hay bales on the very last corner. And uh, there's some, yeah, there's some terrific races. What a race I saw in. 19 was a nose to tail race of the first five cars. Yeah. It was a terrific race. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but Vegas should be interesting. More interesting than the last Saturday time, I can night. tell you that. Say that again? Yeah. Now, the tickets are going to be crazy expensive. I, I'm hearing that the oh. cheapest ticket's like two grand or something. So, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like Miami is expensive. It's also crazy. It's going to be like the, the one of the most expensive races to like. It's gonna, you know, it's still gonna be a street course, and you know, it's. If someone out there has an extra ticket and they want a real treat, you should definitely call Jimmy Reed. Yeah. and take him along. <laughs> we'll have the time of your life. All right, you know, know we're, uh, we're we're butting up to your uh, your heart out, Jimmy. So I'm gonna I'm gonna concede the last couple minutes uh, to you to kind of round this out here. Well, it, it, you might want to you know save some stuff for if you have, if you do a preview. Um, podcast, uh, oh, but I, I want to go back to that. What I talk about the um, the cultures of the of the top teams, um, and you know, you, you it always seemed to me Ferrari had a blame culture. Yeah, and um, there was a famous uh, guy named Edward Deming who was a uh, really turned the Japanese economy around in the fifties after the war, and he's just a hero in Japan. But he has these fourteen points. One of the fourteen points is drive out fear mm. and and i think um that fear in the ferrari team the fear of losing 
The Italian press is very negative. And I think it puts an enormous amount of pressure, too much pressure. It's always been like that. Ferrari himself put a lot of pressure on the drivers. Yeah. Remember a few years ago, there was Sergio Marchione, if you remember him. Uh, he was the, the chairman. Uh, and you see, show up at the races, and I just, yeah, it's just, um, you know, if you didn't do your job, you know, you could lose your job. And it's just, I think it was, as opposed to, um, and you can see it now. I know there's uh, videos of Total Wolf talking to Harvard Business School professors and the Mercedes culture, and we're all in it together. It's not a blame thing. Yeah. Red Bull has its own culture, a little tougher. Uh, you know, that's why I say, you know, bringing in, um, uh, Ricardo into that team, Sergio's got to be looking over his shoulder uh, that he could be replaced, you know, if he has a bad race. Or, but um, but I think that's you, probably a longer. You said it without sorry. saying it too, though. Is like how many team principals have changed at Red Bull or Mercedes? You know, they're 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 not. It's the same. But you, there's this Fred Vasseur is going to be what the fifth or sixth in the same amount of time. And I just don't but see Ferrari. Yeah. Yeah. And I just don't see how you create a winning organization when you have no clear leadership or the leadership that you do have. You don't give them the actual leadership to make the call. And they're always looking, you know, waiting for the call or the email that cans them. And I just, it's just such a bummer there because we did start to see the turnaround at Ferrari and the guy who did it is gone. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, but, um, one of the old old Ferrari guys, Mauro Forgieri, died here recently. Uh, and also, uh, Jean-Pierre Jabouille died, I think, this past week. He was the engineer driver for Renault, won the first race in a turbo car in 1980, which was totally overshadowed by the Villeneuve, um, our new battle for second place, which is the greatest, you know, fight of all time, which you can see on YouTube. Um but yeah, I think Andy, you could when if you put together your preview podcast, a lot of great things to talk about. Oh yeah, you know Vegas, Miami. I I think it's believe it or not, uh, it's cheaper to go to Monaco <laughs> than to go to Vegas or Miami for a race. So if you're going to go exactly. somewhere, you might as well just go to you might as well just go to Monaco for sure. Yeah, let's go, <laughs> let's go. Well, we'll we'll have to have you back on the on the preview episode that we should not wait too long to to get underway. <laughs> How do you think? But, uh, hey, you're doing a terrific job. This is uh, going to be an exciting season, I think, and um, and a lot to talk about um, on various uh, various issues and stuff. But, yeah, it should be great. Mercedes coming back and uh, a lot of new young drivers. So it's kind of an exciting season to look forward to. So it should be, should be terrific. It's coming up, too. What, what, we'll go. We'll go. This will just help be how we end. We'll start with you, too, because I know you got to leave. Uh, feel free to just hang up whenever you want. Um, but what's the who? Who's your who's your pick for for world world champion next year? You're talking to me. Uh, everybody, we're going to start with you though. Uh, head says Max. Heart wants Lewis. So that's what I'd say. Okay, Dad. God, ditto. Oh, head says Max. Okay. Uh, Latifi will win. Oh God! Come on. And <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think uh, it's uh, Max's to lose. But boy, would I like to see number eight come to Lewis before he is at a point where he's just not competitive physically. 
Matt? I'm with Jimmy. Hart says, uh, if Mercedes is good, Lewis, George, Max, in that order. One, two, three. All right. Here you go. So we're all we're all Ooh. in agreement. Lewis is going to be in the eighth world Lewis, title. Lewis. Lewis. Okay. And I think Lewis. I think science is going to show up in a big way this year yes, too. Yes. Yes, indeed. All righty. Well, well, we have so much. We're going to report back on all of that moving forward. And I just want to say thanks to Matt, thanks to Dad, and a special thanks to you, Jimmy, for coming in. You're you're welcome here anytime. Thank you all. Thanks for listening. Hey, thanks, yeah. Andy. That's terrific, Andy. Thanks all time. Yeah. Awesome guys. Good to, good to- Good to chat again with you guys. You awesome. bet, guys. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds okay, good. bye. Bye. Okay, bye-bye.